Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and this is a place where prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana share their stories. In today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Neha Nagori, a Salesforce CTA based in Dubai. Neha provides insight into her education and how she was assigned to a testing role when she moved into the workforce, which made her consider moving overseas for further study and to retrain. Neha shares how she did find her way into a Salesforce developer role and how she grasped the opportunity and hasn't looked back. Neha talks about the importance of taking on uncomfortable challenges how she personally approaches learning and shares some of the resources that have helped her. We also discuss the risk of being overwhelmed by the scale of the Salesforce ecosystem and the speed of change, but highlight the importance of understanding the basics and doing them well. Having passed the CTA review board recently, Neha explains how she identified the CTA as a goal and the reasons that it was important to her. Neha highlights how important Salesforce community groups were in her preparation for the review board and provides some advice for anyone that may be nervous about participating in these groups. Finally, Neha talks about life as a Salesforce freelancer, the positives and challenges, as well as the different roles she has to play. I hope that you enjoy the episode. Neha, welcome to the show. Hey, hi. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. And I know you're you're friends with lots of people that have been on the podcast before and we've unpacked their journey. So I'm really excited to hear more about yours and understand what got you to this point. And I always like to look back first and, and look at the journey in full, I guess. So if you could tell me a little bit about your education and um, I guess first role in the workforce. Yeah. So initially when I was in school, I was an average student with more than good average grades. And then I got into engineering because of course I was interested in science. You know, in the past, there was only limited options uh, in India, right? And uh, for a girl to move out at the age of 18, globally, it's accepted. But from the time and place where I came from, it was a bit challenging and frowned upon. So that was a bit challenging, but my parents were very supportive and everything. And I got into computer science and uh, completed my degree in uh, engineering. I learned coding over there and I moved to Accenture as my, took my first role as a software engineer at Accenture. And there I was put into testing. Recruitment here is that the first 20 candidates will get into testing. Next 20 or 250 candidates will get into Java, Salesforce. They're not accessed based on your interests or anything, but that's how things used to work back then. I don't, I'm not sure how they work now, but at that point of time, I was put into testing and I got my first project as a manual tester. Is that kind of what you were wanting to do? Like, were you happy with that move into testing? Was it something you, um, you were fulfilled by? No, like I said, I learned coding during my degree and I was so much interested in coding. I learned so many things. I learned Java. I learned Android. I used to learn them my own. They were not part of the course. Some of the things like PHP and everything. I did a couple of projects. So my thing uh, was to learn new things and complete challenging projects. And when I moved to testing, it was not anymore because it was mundane. I'm not talking about every testing project out there, but the one that I got was not something I wanted to do and uh, I wanted to move out of it. How did you go about moving out of it and, and finding your path into something that you wanted to do? 
Yeah, so initially I wanted to pursue higher education because that, that was the only way out and learn something new. And since I was always interested in coding and building projects from scratch, I was also introduced to the world of data and data analytics at some point by working into an Oracle project for a brief instance. So I applied at NYU, got into it and uh, just wanted to pursue the higher education and MS and uh, do something new. And that's what I wanted to do at that point of time. Interestingly, I also wanted to work to a location close to my home place where I was based. And that's why randomly I picked up a project and that was a Salesforce project. And I got into as a manual tester. But when I saw a Salesforce project, I was like, oh, hey, the project is there in front of me. I, I'm the user. I can test it. I can see it. I know the technology. And it's as easy to learn as you learn Facebook or Twitter. This is such an interesting piece of work because you didn't used to get that many products at that point of time, which were so user friendly, you know. And as a tester, it, that intrigued me. And I was a good employee back then. I, I don't mind saying it by my own, but I used to take up a lot of work. It was an SI implementation for a big corporate. The whole team used to sit there and I just used to take some random pieces of work and uh, wanted to learn more. So I took some work related to a metadata dictionary and metadata tools, tooling APIs and so many things as a tester. That uh, was a bit interesting for the managers to look at that the person is uh, looking forward for more work. And briefly, I mentioned here and there that I used to code in past and I had developed a few applications. And that's when one day they invited me to a meeting and uh, asked me, would you like to code? And I was like, I've been asking for that in so long. And yes. And then I took up a coding stint at that project, wrote a brief uh, Apex code with a little bit of guidance and everything. And then that's how my Salesforce developer journey started. And it never stopped. And that NYU thing was past me. <laughs> I did look at that uh, front then. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were on a live project, right? So you were in the role of a tester on that project. So one day you stopped being a tester, the next day you dive straight into development. What what gave you the confidence? Because a lot of people, when they're moving roles, they might, you know, get a, a ramp up period or they might get um, a couple of weeks on the bench to kind of get their head around the technology. But you went straight into coding from, from like day two, I guess. So what gave you the confidence to be straight into the deep end, I guess? Yeah, there was a lot of friction initially because uh, the seniors, which I was reporting to, had like, you're taking my resource into a development team. How come that is possible? So I agreed to, you know, help them as well as a tester and help the development team as well because I desperately wanted to do development and I didn't want that uh, senior tester feel that, hey, I'm just going away and uh, making you feel like you don't have anybody to work for. So I pulled off weekends. I used to work uh, after office hours. I wouldn't recommend this as good practice for an employee, but this is what you need to do if you want to go out of the way and do something you like and prove your worth to people and then make themselves believe in you. And that happened for me over a period of a month and they believed in me. Trust me, it was a lot of hard work, but yeah. Did you believe in yourself? Like, did you feel that, you know, I can do this um, from day one? Was it a, a daunting prospect or was it something that you, you knew you'd be able to pick up? I did believe in myself uh, because I had coded in multiple languages previously. And uh, the only thing was that it's a light project, like you said. And uh, if something breaks, then I'll be responsible. And the people who believed in me, so I was scared a little bit, a lack of confidence. But a little push from my team leads and senior developers was enough for me to keep going and I always used to get support from my team members and I used to pull off everything uh, with the hard work. 
as your career has progressed, have you found that by taking on uncomfortable challenges and kind of uh, taking on, you know, things that might give you uh, that little bit of a scared feeling has, has enabled you to stretch and grow into new areas? All the time, actually. Uh, like I said, I moved from the testing role to the development when I was planning to go to USA and just drop it. I just dropped it. I was like, no, I'm not going to go back. It's a big decision, right? That scared me because, you know, applying to colleges, you have to wait for one more year. So you're wasting your one year. And because you wanted to do something, then I was promoted to uh, the new roles uh, every next year. So that was challenging. Now you're a senior. Now you're a lead. You're now you're a manager. At the same time, you're working with multiple projects, with new industries, with new clouds and new languages coming up all the time. Because we have seen that phase of coming from VF to Aura to LWC. And we are learners. Our, our generation of uh, Salesforce developers are learners of seeing this whole phase. So every time it was, yes, challenging and to convince people that you could do it is another task. I felt that hinge of lack of confidence every time. But now that I've done the CTA thing, that's a separate thing. Like you do it, you're, you're scared till the day before your exam as well. But since I've seen so many uh, projects and everything, now it has become a full-time thing, right? Uh, now I, I'm more confident and I, whatever I pick, I think uh, I feel like I can do it. Nice. How have you found you personally um, learn best? Like how do you approach learning new things? Uh, and what kind of resources out there have you, uh, you found especially helpful? Right. So whenever Salesforce releases a new technology or new, I'm being very specific to Salesforce now, okay? There are other technologies as well, but let's be specific to Salesforce here that whenever Salesforce releases something new, they have this whole developer guide or NWC guide, coding guide and everything, the whole big PDF that you have to go through. But it becomes overwhelming at first, right? That you have to read a big blog, the big thing and everything. At that time, these blogs from Jitendra from Apexars, these are handy because these people have skimmed every document and they just put it in summary for you to understand what has come. So the blogs, the podcasts, uh, they are very important to listen to and release notes. And once you feel like this is something that will help in your project or career, and what, what I do is uh, I just skim through the whole PDF. I don't go through line by line, but I do skim to know this is what exists. It is very important to go to that developer guide or LWC guide or help.salesforce article to know about the thing that you're getting into and just absorb something out of it. Not the complete thing, but just absorb it. That's how I learn new things. But there's so much to learn, right? Like in the in the Salesforce ecosystem, there's new things all the time. And like you've been around the ecosystem a, a long time now to know, you know, that you can't know everything. But I think some people coming into the ecosystem think they need to know everything. And, and you know, they might be exploring topics and, and features and they're in no way related to what they're currently doing in their role. So how do you decide what's important for you to know and what's not important and, and ensure you're not getting overwhelmed with every new feature or application? Right. That is a very common thing I've seen in the ecosystem that uh, newbies or anybody who's migrating from some legacy technology to Salesforce, they feel like they need to know everything. No, that is not right because what you need to know is the core cloud and core platform at first. Start with that. Learn it. How your Lightning platform is set up. Go to the setup and understand each feature at once. Take one thing at a time and don't just rush into doing the certifications because there are like 30, 40 certifications in the market. And uh, I know that will make your resume stand out. But then if you're working in a project with 20 certifications and you don't know a single thing about it, I've seen a lot of ruined projects, right? 
lack of best practices and uh, not following what, what is recommended by Salesforce because people don't know. They're not experienced. I also see people with three years of experience on their CTA journey, on the architect journey, but they have to know that they don't have to rush into it. They just have to take experience from the projects. Take one thing at a time, take one journey at a time and learn the core platform. It's interesting because I, I guess like the fundamentals aren't the, the sexy thing, right? That's not what people want to be talking about. It's like a rush to, to work on the cooler features and stuff, but the foundations are so important. I think if you skip that step, like there, there will be massive holes in your ability, right? Further down the line. So is that your kind of message to anyone starting is like, don't rush it. Like don't run before you can walk, just get the, the basics, understand the, the platform and then build from there. Yeah, right. Do the basics, learn the core of the platform, and then maybe move into other clouds or niche technologies that are there in the market. Don't rush into anything. Mm -hmm. So when did CTA become a goal for you? Well, that was back in 2019 when I was already working as a lead on one of the projects. One of our, our directors in Accenture organized a workshop internally. We were not introduced to 601 or 602. He personally organized a workshop for us for two days and uh, introduced us to, again, course, basics, fundamentals. He started from Oops as well. Like if anybody doesn't know anything about Oops, then they need to go back and learn it. That was uh, my first introduction to the world of architecture and CTA. That gave me a hit and he just asked us to start our architecture journey with uh, the data architect certification, system architect, application architect and everything. Followed by that, there was this architect summit happening in Pune and I attended it. I got to see Gaurav Khetapal. Uh, I heard Kema and Rupesh uh, and every other person was talking about architecture or CT journey. They even solved a small mock scenario and that interested me. After that, I started my certification journey and I felt like while reading the exam guides that I've already done it for the past years. I was lucky enough to be working in the projects which covered each and every section of the exam guide. I don't know how, somehow. And then I started these, um, all the groups, networking, talked to a lot of people. You know, a lot of people want to go down the journey. And um, I've had some people on the podcast recently that talk about like understanding your why, like why is it important to you? Um, what was your why through the, the process? What, what was the importance of becoming a CTA to you personally? First thing was I wanted to be in a room of people uh, wherein um, I was the woman who was not being asked her opinion. There's a lot of time I faced this thing that I was the only woman in the room of a lot of executives and managers and tech arcs and um, I knew things, but I was not asked my opinion for. And I was like, what if I, I had a tag with me? Would I be asked for my opinion? And that proved to be right. I'm not a position where I, I'm asked for my opinion about what should be done for a project. That was one small stint that uh, I just have to have a tag. But then in order to get that tag, right, uh, when I started the journey, I started speaking to a lot of people. I realized I had a lot of gaps as well. And I was able to fill those gaps and uh, I have no confidence to stand on my own and run a project. That was the second thing, to work on the projects that I want to and uh, believe in what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's incredible, right? Because you as a person haven't changed. Um, obviously, you've built your knowledge, but it's sad that that's still happening to people, you know, um, across the world and that aren't being asked their opinion. And, and often it's the brightest opinion in the room and, and they don't get the opportunity to voice that. So yeah, it's, it's terrible, but uh, obviously a huge achievement. And, and now it's great to hear that you are being invited to, to have those conversations, although it shouldn't have been just purely down to the credential. 
So you, you've been heavily involved in the community, right? And, and I know, um, you know, I, I, I see your involvement. I see the SEMA group, you know, Johan and, and all of the work that you, you've been doing in that space. Did you identify the community could play a big role in your journey to CTA and for you to be involved in, in the community was going to help you achieve that goal easily, more easily? Big time help from the community, I would say. A lot of people keep saying this on LinkedIn and your podcast. It takes a village to become a CTA. And that's really, really true. Because every person has their own gaps, their own understanding and their own perspective to look into the solution. So once everything comes together from different, different, different person, you start to understand the perspective of other people and start to listen and grasp and absorb as much knowledge as you can. So when I started my CTA journey, I, I was already following Gaurav after the Architect Summit. And uh, I saw that he was heading Saima, looking for host and everything. I started to attend the sessions and I willingly asked to help that, okay, if in any way I can help understand how this thing works. Then I started helping hosting sessions and then I uh, started to co-lead Saima after a while. I met Lilith, I met Johan, and they were my, you know, buddies throughout my CTA journeys. Lilith became a CTA while I was preparing for it, and she's been a true inspiration and a true helper to me. You know, when you have women to look up to, uh, doing the things that you want to do, you want to do them more. That's the role that Lilith has played me. And there are many other people that I've met on my CTA journey. Saima was not just it. I then became Melissa's group, the architect Ohana, the Slack group with the abundance of knowledge over there. So many people to talk to. Then Benelit's group was there. And then I started uh, my own uh, here co-leading the Dubai architect group with Georgi and Madan. I was the person back then who was wanting to get help from the community and then slowly transformed into the person who was getting and giving the help. And now a person who is now giving help to the other people from attending the Architect Summit and now going as a guest to speak there is a complete journey and I would want to help other people who has gone through challenges and everything. I myself have gone through a lot of challenges in terms of learning, in terms of um, giving back to the projects and uh, standing in a room full of people and not getting heard. I want to help other people and I, I know the community helps me a lot and I want to become that community to others. Oh, you definitely are doing that. You're doing an amazing job of that. And it's, it's great to see. On that, that point around, um, you know, being involved in the community and some people might lack the confidence of, of meeting strangers online and, and being involved in mocks and things like that. And they might have the goal of being a CTA and they might be, they might feel a lot more comfortable doing like one on one, um, coaching and, and things like that. Was that ever a factor for you of being like, because some people worry, oh, well, I've got to do this mock in front of, you know, 10 people or 100 people or however many people might see it on, on YouTube. And was that ever a factor in your mind? And if so, how did you push through that? Yeah, that person was me at some point of time, to be honest. I was very much afraid of speaking in a group of people, hundreds, hundreds of people, tens of people. And uh, my first mock was a kind of mock which I was going to present in front of a study group. And it turned out I was presenting alongside Jitendra Zah and he was very much later in his CTA journey. He presented his presentation. He was flawless. He was confident. He was everything you could ask for in a CTA candidate. And when I presented, I was like, can I even present? I don't think I can. But then uh, a little bit of courage and a little bit of push from other study mates led me to present in front of the uh, whole crew. 
it was not a very good presentation to be honest but uh, i learned a lot they gave me a very positive feedback uh, that he can do it these are the little gaps that you need to fill in and that's when you start to fill your gaps and the next time you make yourself a little bit better and then better 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 start giving 10 mocks 20 mocks some people only require 5 mocks to go to the ct and some people require 50 60 and hundreds of mocks it completely depends on you you don't have to stop The, the only thing I would like to say to the people is don't stop. Keep getting better at every step. That was one thing that low confidence I keep seeing in other CTA candidates as well. Right, yesterday only I was talking to one of the candidates and she was like, I have all the knowledge, I've worked on all the projects, but I cannot speak in front of so many people. And I just pushed her and I said, okay, we'll do one-on-one mock first and then we'll involve three more people, six more people, and then 100 people. Let's do it. Yeah, it's just progression, right? Like one, two, like as long as you're you're gaining a little bit of confidence each time, then eventually you'll be there. And that must have been surreal for you because I know that when you started, when you made that transition from tester to developer, you were reading Jitendra's blog, right? And then you're here you are your first uh, mock presentation and you're doing it like after Jitendra. Yeah, he's been someone who's been always there in my journey, whether he was physically present there or not, or whether he was interacting me or not. Uh, at my first Apex code, my first Lightning code, I used to take help from his blog. Then the first mock that I presented, he was there. And when I I was part of Wig and IBM uh, company, right? They were the huge supporters. I forgot to mention them, but the huge support that I got from them that they're. all CT academy that's fantastic and that's when i met jitendra za and he was uh, my mentor over there along with other cta shoaib and um, pradeep was there he was personally mentoring us and to be honest i've seen nobody going out of the way he used to take sessions with us over the weekends out of everything official he used to come wake up early in the morning at 5 or 6 o'clock which was our evening and then take sessions with us any doubts anything and that person has been there throughout the journey whether he knew it or not and i would really like to thank this platform and thank him for this yeah it's awesome and uh, having obviously spoken to you both it's just incredible because now like you're giving back and there's someone at the beginning of their career that's learning from you and and that's really the beauty of the ecosystem and the beauty of power of like multiplying right because you're a multiple of learning from Jitendra and there'll be so many other people that have done that and then they're giving back as well and it's just incredible that so many people can learn from others in this space And that's the beauty of it, right? I have many other friends and colleagues. I myself have worked in different technologies. I've never seen such an ecosystem which is growing and which is having such a good trailblazership. A learning ecosystem is what uh, people are looking for because you cannot just work on one thing and keep doing that thing again and again. In Salesforce, when I came, I've always learned of one thing or two every day. Today, also after I became a CTA, my learning has not stopped, and I keep learning. And even when I mentor people, I learn one thing or two from them. So that's beautiful. Like I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're freelancing now. I know a lot of people that aspire to to do some freelancing in the future. So what do you like about it? And what what do you find challenging about being a freelancer, if anything? Yeah. So the freelancing is something that you need to start get started with. 
you'll get ample of projects in the ecosystem and you'll get to choose it, right? So the positives are you choose your own project, your rates are independent, whatever rate you want to work with, you define your own range depending on what your talent is. There are no boundaries and you can work with multiple clients uh, coming from multiple clouds and industries that you cannot get in your permanent job. But if you want to you know, work in financial services and health cloud at the same time, part-time you take two gigs and you can work on them, right? The negatives, I, I feel there are a few negatives as well. Like uh, there's a lot of risk involving the terms of the project, the timelines. You can get kicked out at any point of time because you're a freelancer. And looking at the market right now, the recession and everything, if their budget goes down, then you're the first one to go out from the project because you don't belong to that team. But I've never seen that thing happening in Salesforce ecosystem up till now. But that's always the risk. Last year, I was working with a real estate company who was well-funded at first. I started to lead there and then the funding did not come through and uh, I had to leave the project and I was projectless for like two months from like the freelance perspective. So those are small things. I think they don't matter a lot when you want to work and work. Honestly, one thing for people who want to start freelancing is don't burn yourself. I used to burn myself uh, before working with multiple projects and multiple people and uh, 16 hours a day. I'm like that, but uh, not anymore. I have one company I work with and some small gigs come here and there through networking as well. Uh, like you said, I have a good network. So I was just co-leading this uh, Dubai Architect Group and one of uh, the persons from uh, a customer, Salesforce customer comes and asks me, hey, you do contracting, I need a small help from you. And it's like, okay, yeah, I can do an hourly help for you. So that's how you get projects as well as a freelancer. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what, like, are there non-technical skills that you've had to develop to be a freelancer? Like, obviously, networking could be one, but from an organizational perspective, like, do you need to, have you found that you need to be a lot more organized because you've got a few different projects up in the air that you're spinning um, than, than if you were just on one project? Exactly. So the difference between doing a freelancing and the uh, normal job is that if you do something wrong at your job, your company is responsible and they take responsibility for it for you. But sure, nobody is going to take responsibility for your work if you, you know, mess up or do anything. You are the whole and sole person here listening to the client, talking to the client at whatever work you do. It has to be absolutely 100% right. If you don't do it right, then your value decreases in the market. That's the first thing. Second thing I learned is to present myself to my customers is I'm my own sales brand, marketing brand. I am my own content writer, resume writer, bio writer, everything. The invoicer, everything I do. So I've learned a lot of things. I've applied my own visa here living in Dubai. You're your own immigration person as well. Yeah. <laughs> you learn a lot of things. Daily I'm learning something new. So as a freelancer, yes, just not just the technical skills you should have as a developer or an architect should also possess the other things. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide, right? It's like you're the escalation and you're the delegation. You're you're everything to everyone. And thank you so much. I've uh, I've really enjoyed hearing your story and uh, and and more about you. And if our listeners um, that maybe don't know you or haven't connected with you before would like to connect, where is the best place to find you? It's on LinkedIn. I'm very active over there. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much. Uh, absolute pleasure to have you on the show and uh, really excited to see how your freelancing journey evolves. Yeah, thank you so much. So that's a wrap for this week's episode. And thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And if you did, please make sure you have subscribed for future episodes that are coming through. I would also be very grateful if you would consider leaving a review on your chosen podcast platform as five-star reviews will help us to reach more trailblazers from across the world. 
I look forward to sharing another episode with you soon and thanks again.